place, you know it's time to begin wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC, especially if you are sitting in traffic trying to get home. We're going to be with you. Maybe you're working out on a run or something, one of your geeks and sneaks out there. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes, giving you some gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, which is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Cashfly, the best CDN in the business, delivering all of the bandwidth for all of the shows on 5x5 this week. And you can find out more about Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. We urge you to do that. Also, we have a new sponsor this week. Oh, I'm so excited. Mac. Weldon. I'll be telling you about them a little later. They made the show possible, and DLC is the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who is officially suspending his campaign for president, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Two quick things up top. One, to all the parents out there that have checked out my new podcast, Department of Parenting, thank you. People seem to dig it. Two, I enjoy Twitch streaming when I can on Thursdays, but people like, um, there's this guy, Brian R. I don't need to vox him, but uh, I know who you are, buddy, and I know you're a gamer, and I don't know why you go on Twitch comments and try to spoil games. That's not cool. Please don't do that, and don't be a jerk. Nice. Yeah, don't be a jerk. I think that could be a good uh, a good refrain for the entire episode this week. Uh, hey, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. We thought this was going to be the time of year when there's a lull, but oh my gosh, February is exploding with new games to play, exploding with big news. We had DICE this week, the DICE Summit, with a big awards show and some fun talks to talk about. So let's get right to it, guys. We have an awesome guest as well. You know that DLC... Except no substitutes, DLC is your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, finally, DLC stands for Dispatches from a Little Cabin, which is how I might describe a shack. Because from shacknews.com, we have senior editor and our old weekend confirmed buddy, Mr. Ozzy Mejia. Ozzy, how you doing, buddy? You know, when we used to do these podcasts, it used to be like on a Thursday or Friday, so I'd always think like the weekend is coming up. I'm not used to doing this on a Monday when there's a full week ahead. But I'm sorry, I know it's, a, <laughs> but it's a great way to start your week, man, isn't it? That it sure is. It's a great, it's a great way to start the week. I make sure and try and drop by the live show whenever possible, and it's just great to actually be on. And thank you, and thank you, and Christian for the invite. Uh, absolutely, man. We're glad to have you. It took too long to get you on. Uh, we love the stuff that you do over at Shack News. And you did bring up the live show. We haven't had a live stream of the show, which we usually do on Mondays at 11 a.m. Uh, we haven't had one the last few weeks. Um, it's looking like we're not going to have them uh, for the foreseeable future. We're working really hard to try to get them back. Um, it's not really under our control, but we're hoping that uh, we'll figure it out. So uh, I apologize for all the folks that loved to be there in the live stream. And we really appreciated all your comments uh, as we were doing the show, and we want to get those back. So we're working on it. We hear you. Um, stick with us, and, and hopefully we'll we'll get you some good downloadable goodness in your feed. But uh, until then, until we're back, you know, just uh, just download us, and we'll hang out that way. Also, you can always email comments. We're going to do much more of that going forward as well uh, to five by five 
feedback, excuse me, not five by five. Sorry. I'll say that again. DLC feedback at gmail.com is the, is the email to use. We have some fun emails this week to talk about, but let's do uh, what we always do and start the show with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. It's a big week. Uh, and you can always submit stories for our consideration using that hashtag DLCSOTW or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool discussions there as well. Hey, Ozzy, you are our guest. You know how this works. You get first pick. So what is your story of the week? Well, guys, you know that I love my fighting games. I've been into them for since I was a little kid. So Street Fighter V was a very big game for me, something I was super excited to get into. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. You guys saw my review on shacknews.com, which is up right now. But it's had some problems. Um, I was yeah. really hoping that wouldn't be the case. But uh, wow, there have been uh, there have been some big problems with the game at launch. And I didn't see too many like online hitches, but there were just reports all over Twitter, all over the online space going, you know, I can't get into a game like I'm getting disconnected. Like there's there seems to be problems with PS4 and PC playing together. Like one one version's like ahead of the other in terms of like, you know, online sessions. And that's disappointing to hear just just in general, but also because Capcom's had three betas. Like I like I was really hoping that, you know, three three or four online betas and they kind of have this stuff worked out and I, I guess that, that that didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? Um, it? It seems to be everybody's speculating that really what happened is they rushed to get the game out in order to have it into the competitive scene in time for the big... Um, what's the big event that's coming up in March? Um, game Developers Conference. Well, no, not the Game oh, Developers Conference. No, Capcom Open. <laughs> the uh, I, Capcom sorry, I, Open, I just, right. I just hear events, and I'm just like, okay, you know, <laughs> event, I default to a GDC. No, uh, final round. Final round is what you're thinking of. Yeah, the 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 uh, the big um, fighting game championship there, and and they wanted Street Fighter Five to be the new game of the year, uh, the big fighting game that everybody is is well versed in, and so they needed to have it out before March. It it you know I talked about this a little last week, and you mentioned it in your review on Shack News. The game's not done, it, it, just from a feature standpoint just from the the things that you can do in the game so much of it is still coming later and they're talking about the game being this living breathing ecosystem but worse than that even the stuff that's in the game as you mentioned doesn't seem to be working well the matchmaking is all weird and borked they they say that they've been patching and uh, it's supposed to work better now but my goodness what a bungled launch yet another bungled launch um christian what's what's your take on this yeah, we can dive into it a little more on, on games we've been playing because I spent some time with Street Fighter V, but uh, spoiler alert <laughs> for that. I, I've set it aside until this hopefully promised, fabled unicorn of a March update that's going to fix all the problems. <laughs> I have my um, PS3 Tournament Edition Street Fighter Four Fight Stick. I was so excited that they were going to include... Uh, legacy support i didn't even mind kind of the cumbersome way you had to activate it with keeping your dualshock 4 on and going into an option menu but for me my fight stick would just stop working i don't know 15 seconds into a match after it got going i hooked up my ps3 and played some street fighter 3 and some street fighter 4 and the stick works fine 
I went online. It seems like I'm not alone in this problem. It's not universal, but it seems like maybe a third to half of the people with uh, that stick have authentication or maintaining an authentication problem. And then the the loads to get into a quick casual match. And I, I, I'm not... I'm not a programmer, so I don't know. Like, I don't know the difficulty of loading online code for a one-on-one fighter versus, you know, a round of um, uh, Call of Duty or Halo Five or something like that. But as a, for a simpleton like me and a layman, it seems like it takes way too long for me to get into something that's going to be over in 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, from a competitive standpoint, which is really, I think where they were targeting this, or at least initially, evidently there's reports of at least one stage that is unplayable on a competitive level because it lags so much. Like one particular stage causes problems. That's uh, every on, stage for me though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so sad because the game is great. What, what's there and what works is awesome. Like the mechanics of the fighting, the way it looks. Is that like themselves. saying you bought a rust free body of a 64 Mustang and you're like, what's there of the car is great, but it has yeah. no engine transmission. <laughs> yeah. But just wait till I soup it up, you know, Yeah. <laughs> At this, from a personal standpoint, this was such a hard game to review just because like you said, Jeff, what is there is great. It's a fantastic game. And it's such a, it, just in terms of the one-on-one mechanics and even the online that I did play, before launch and a few after launch was polished. It felt good, but there's so much that's not there. You can't put it ahead of games like, like Mortal Kombat X or even Killer Instinct, which for the most part came feature complete. Like, yeah. like I, 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 I couldn't find, I couldn't bring myself to do that. And I mean, is this, and I started thinking about this throughout the week. Is this going to be like the new normal? Like, is this, Oh, it's already be, the new normal. <laughs> like, are we doing $60 up front just for, you know, what some people are describing is just early access. It's, it's $60 up front and $30 for the season pass. Um, may, maybe the game will work. Maybe it won't. I mean, that's, that's what we get now, right? That's it, I think it already is the new normal. We have had far too many examples to cite for it not to be. But this <laughs> is the agree? first time. I think this is like one of the first instances where we've blatantly seen like stuff on the main menu. That's grayed out. They're like, Oh, it's not ready yet. Like, I don't think I've yeah. seen that yet. And that's, kind of that's that's disheartening to me if that's going to be like the trend well i understand the idea of their positioning it as this evolving platform that's gonna you you have stuff to look forward to play it now but there's going to be so much more and a lot of games are like that um in the in the free-to-play space especially and and i and it's kind of exciting to see a game evolve and have it you know a couple of years down the line, be a, be so much more than it was when it launched. I, that's a fun thing to be a part of. And it, it's a great way to maintain a community and maintain excitement to kind of be in this evolving thing. There's new characters, there's new things to do, but when you want to make a big splash and you are a game that has a, a pedigree as strong as street fighter and has so much expectation, you expect to be able to have an arcade mode in street yeah. fighter. I mean, it always had that. So I don't, I don't get it. And the thing is, I think that this is the reason this gets the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time is because we've seen this in action. We've seen it with Street Fighter, the Street Fighter Four generation. It's lasted about seven, eight years. When they say it's going to last an entire console life cycle, we're expecting that because we've kind of seen it. But in a lot of ways, this feels like what they issued feels like preaching to the choir. They, they, they issued it out to the people they know are going to love it, the people they know are going to buy it. But if you're like a casual player, like 
you know, or if you're a casual, you know, I pick it up once in a while, kind of like Christian, then, you know, what incentive is there to pick it up right now? There, there isn't really. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about this uh, when we get to the playlist um, because we've all been playing it such as it is. Um, so we'll hit back on that. But it is big news this week that that they're having to deal with the the backlash and the you know they're having to issue press releases of hey we're working on it. So that is big news. Uh, Christian, how about you? What is your story of the week? Sorry to step on your toes, Jeff. Um, but I think the biggest story this week is coming out World Mobile. Con- whatever world mobile, mobile con- world congress mobile thank you. mobile world congress Woof. the vive will cost 7.99 in what i think is uh hey that's not bad <laughs> i know it's amazing right <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> that in 800 dollars you're like huh it's not, not as bad as i thought <laughs> but you get the sensor thingies and two controllers which is key to the how they've been touting the Vive experience. And that's where I think, and two pack-in games as well, uh, Job Simulator and Fantastic Contraption. And I, I think the bundling of the controllers is a real value add. It's how they want the Vive to be played and experienced. Sure. And we don't know what those are for Oculus yet. So that's where I'm like, under a thousand, <laughs> sign me be, up. You think the uh, the controllers would be 200 bucks? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, Xbox, I paid a 150 for my Elite. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, a uh, regular controller, 60. It's it's a, it's funny because if, if Vive had announced this first, everybody would have thrown up in their lap for $800. <laughs> but because uh, Oculus took the hit first and everybody was like, well, the Vive is so much more. It would probably be a grand. Then it's like, oh, well, 800 is it's actually seems – It's now amazing what Oculus perception second. does. Now imagine if Oculus came out later and said, oh, we're going to be $600. And then not everybody's just kind of thrown up in their laps the way that, that you just described. Yeah. yeah. If PSVR comes out at like $550, i will be like, what a deal. I'll take two. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, PSVR is in a weird position now, man. It's a weird, weird position to be in because they – they are in a different world. Like they're a different market. It seems to me, they can't be in the 600, $800 place, but we'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to find out lots more about that. There's all these news bits that, that they say by fall, we'll be able to at least pre-order the PlayStation VR. Um, the thing that's tough for me, <laughs> you know, as, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm jumping out of my seat, ready to leap into the VR future. But I thought 800 bucks, I'd be able to have both of these things. <laughs> and now thinking 600 and 800, I, I'm, I don't, I can't justify having both of them. So now it's like, well, does what the Vive offers trump what the, the Oculus offers? So do I cancel my Oculus pre-order and get a Vive or do I stick with my Oculus pre-order, get it a little earlier than the Vive, wait on the Vive I don't know. I'd love to hear <laughs> what the audience thinks I should do because I, I don't. I don't think getting both of them is realistic. Um, Not at launch. So I, I just don't know what to do. I maybe, would maybe second generation. It should be easier to get both, but right now it's it, you're gonna have to make a Sophie's choice. It's gonna be one or the other. I would go Oculus now. It has Facebook backing, which while they haven't released hardware before, your hope is that they will support this thing. The Vive has a Valve VR behind it, which seems promising and really cool, but Valve doesn't have the best track record of really supporting and going gung-ho with their hardware that's come out. Why? Why? They they could they could just change the playing field oh, by I know. going, hey, 
You know those big titles that Valve is famous for? Here's one that's exclusive to Vive. Game over. Oh, do you want to do you want to play the next Portal? Do you want to play the next I mean, it's not going to be Half-Life. I know that. But they could. They could and they don't even have it doesn't even have to be Half-Life 3. It could be Half-Life Adventures. It could be Half-Life VR. It could be just a sh- small short experience that changes the entire landscape. I mean, Job Simulator, I have played a demo of multiple times. It's hilarious. It has a ton of charm. It's really fun. Fantastic Contraption, I've read wonderful things about it. I haven't played it myself. I have heard it is very, very cool in virtual reality. Neither of those games is is a killer app. Neither of them. They're both really fun, interesting experiences. But just give us a, give us a killer app. What's the, pro- what's the problem? I don't disagree. I, I think you're speaking of wishes and hopes, and I'm giving advice based on reality, unfortunately. What's yeah. your gut right now? Like, flip a coin in the air. What does your gut say? I mean, the fact that I already have the pre-order for Oculus leads me to just stick with that and not fight the online mania to get a pre-order for Vive. And the fact that Vive ships a little later, too. I mean, I, I want to be doing it earlier rather than later, but I do really like the controllers. I actually... Having tried both, I actually prefer the Oculus Touch controllers to the Vive controllers, but that front-facing camera is really cool. The moving around your apartment, while I don't want to do it all the time, is kind of cool. Um, I think my gut right now is leaning toward just sticking with Oculus and waiting on Vive, but and also I think the pack-in games for the Oculus are cooler. They're actually, they feel like full games um, instead of just you know demos, but... Yeah, and like for the average person, it's going to be, you know, what's the software? Like, what is the software lineup like? And I think for Oculus right now, E-Valkyrie seems like a much more enticing game than anything else. I mean, having tried that, that's a more immersive VR experience and a much cooler one than, you know, Job Simulator is fun and all. But, you know, I I like the idea of actually getting into like a a cockpit of a starship and just going out into space and just getting into dogfights. Like that sounds like a much cooler proposition to me. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to pair this story with uh, another one that that was hit this week or just recently. Um, there was a, a TED Talk uh, that Recore uh, covered and interviewed um, uh, who is it? Uh, Kipman over at Microsoft, the, the guy who's uh, design lead on uh, the HoloLens uh, is saying now that um, HoloLens ain't coming anytime soon. Um, he says, we could release it now. It's ready. The The developer kit that we have out doesn't really feel like a developer kit. It really is much more of a consumer device. But we learned a big lesson with Connect, where it came out, people were excited about it. We sold 10 million units in 60 days. And then nobody had anything to do on it. And it died on the vine because everybody bought this thing and felt burned, which is what you hear over and over again with VR is like, it's going to be another Connect. It's going to be another 3D television. Um, so I think this is a really wise thing that they're realizing is that they can't just put HoloLens out. He says, uh, right now, if you bought a HoloLens, you have about 12 things you can do on it and that's not enough. And, uh, I think this is smart. He's also not worried about, um, other companies beating them to the market like, uh, uh, Magic Leap or the Meta, which are kind of promising the same types of AR devices. I think this is really smart. Um, as much as I think Holland's can be cool, I don't think it's super cool now because of the narrow field of view, at least when I experienced it. And I think the longer they wait on this, it, it might be a smarter move, uh, especially seeing 
the VR integration and not having yet another one of these devices hit around the same time frame. Uh, what do you think, Ozzy? When he says that it's ready to release now, like, you know, in what condition is it? I mean, you got to kind of be careful with a statement like that because, yes, it could he could release it right now and it could be like the Kinect on Xbox 360, which was kind of a mess. It, was, it wasn't responsive. It didn't really work with a lot of the games. The games that were there were completely unsatisfying. So, yeah, maybe it is better that they just hold off and get something a little closer to connect on xbox one which is a sharper peripheral it's a lot more responsive i think it would and completely abandoned yeah and completely <laughs> abandoned and and the reason for that is they released connect on xbox 360 and there was right. and there was just so much backlash towards it that it wasn't worth supporting anymore so maybe it is better that they just sit on this for a little bit and just get a software lineup out there get a consistent software lineup out there you know go up to developers and go hey you have we'll, we'll give you like a three four year dev cycle with this like don't rush it just just you know work with the software learn it take a couple of years take a couple of years you know work out all the kinks and by the time it is ready i think it'll be something that'll be a lot more palatable to the consumer yeah christian you agree yeah i mean i, I always applaud people waiting to release a product for when it has uses and i love cool tech and microsoft i think has made some really cool tech that never saw the light of day as shown um the surface the original surface table when that thing was shown holy i mean that was mind-blowing they had it at um disneyland and like the updated house of tomorrow and you could play with it and you know whenever that was shown 10 years ago now i mean it was incredible and the projection room the connect projection room uh that thing looks incredible but not every incredible thing needs to come out and i like the fact that they're like hey this is dope uh it needs to be doper <laughs> yeah 100 percent support that yeah i think it's a smart smart decision and we already have three vr goggles coming out in the same calendar year it's going to be a bloodbath as I we already only, could tell from me having to decide Ugh, yeah. which i didn't want to have to i think the only w- reason that people might get a little bummed out is because that minecraft uh the Minecraft demo actually looked pretty impressive, and it's it's sad that we're going to have to kind of wait for that because the idea of getting into Minecraft on that level is yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, I I would lo- I would love to do that someday. I'm sure there'll be. I think there already is an Oculus Minecraft mod that lets you play Minecraft in Oculus. So I'm sure that'll happen at least in, for full VR, but not the AR implementation that they were showing. Um, Certainly, I was interested in the VR story, but I, I, there was so much cool stuff that happened at, at Dice this week. Uh, one of them is the announcement that Warren Spector is coming back to game development. This is a uh, luminary in the PC video game space from when I was a kid. Uh, he designed some of the greatest games of all time, including System Shock, System Shock Two, Ultima Underworld. Uh, he is a, a visionary. Uh, what's that? The man behind Deus Ex. The man behind Deus Ex, the original Deus Ex. And indeed, uh, unfortunately, the most recent thing he developed was Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2, which are not good games, um, and unfortunately, and really sadly. And, uh, you know, I wonder, I hate to say this, uh, even even speak it out loud, you know, but there, there is that thing of the visionary who is revered and then given so much creative control because everyone just reveres them. Uh, you know, see also George Lucas, see also whomever you want to say from Paul. other media. Hmm? Paul. Paul? Revered. Oh, nice. Well done. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, Jeff, but let me let, let me throw this name at you. Uh, what about George Miller? Someone that can reinvent himself 
you know, yeah. the way he did with uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And that was one of the names that came up uh, during in one of the comments of the original story that I wrote for Shaq News was, you know, can he be that visionary that kind of just reinvents himself and completely reinvents the genre again? Like that, that could be real, that could be, a, you know, a more optimistic way to look at it. Oh, I, I am. I'm certainly remaining optimistic. I, I as as burned as I was by Epic Mickey, which I couldn't have been more excited about him dealing with the Disney universe and having sort of a playground like that. I really thought that game was going to be special. And it, it turned out to be really, really underwhelming. Uh, even the sequel, which improved slightly, was was not good. Um you know, but he is reteaming with Paul Neurath uh, and they and joining Other Side Entertainment. They're making System Shock Three. They're also making the spiritual su- successor to Unt- Ultima Underworld. But evidently, Warren Spector is only advising on that project, not working directly on it. He's really concentrating on System Shock Three, which I think can be a real special project. Of course, we're not going to see it for several years because they're just starting to work on it. But it's it's pretty awesome that he's coming out of basically video game retirement. He was just teaching. Uh, video game design and and is now actively working on this. So you're 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 optimistic, Ozzy. Yeah, the the junction point uh, developer studio closing down was you know kind of his time to just take some time out. I remember he said he was really burned out after Epic Mickey just because that that was such a took such a toll on him mentally and psychologically that he just kind of needed to take some time away. And now that I think that he's taken a step back, kind of gotten a chance to recharge his batteries a little bit i th- i think he'll have some i think he'll be uh good to go now and i think uh this is something to really look forward to i certainly am um christian did you ever play the system shot games were you into those my older brother was into them more than i was and uh kind of just based on age and getting sitting down and playing i remember loving him telling me the story of them <laughs> in the <laughs> lore but i never when i went back to experience them you know gearing up for bioshock and stuff i felt like they did not hold up for me for where i was as a gamer yeah yeah uh but it's pretty cool news i think um i'm i'm very excited that basically this is one of those things that's made possible by kickstarter like they these guys are kickstarting these old projects getting the teams back together and and i i feel like based on his comments at dice uh, Warren Spector really is going to approach this and and try to create something fresh and interesting and not just rehash the old games, but really make them as important to now as they were, as those old games were to their time. So I'm hopeful. And too much time has passed anyway to kind of just rehash what's what worked in 2000. Like you kind of got to move it forward a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, hey, Christian, I got a question for you, buddy. Uh-huh. I have known you many years now. And I've never asked you this question. Uh, boxers or briefs? Trunks. Trunks? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. You're a trunks man? Yeah. You put your junks in the trunks? <laughs> it's uh, like a boxer. For people that don't know, it's like a boxer brief, but shorter on the leg. So if I wear, not pla- painted on skinny jeans, but tighter than boot cut jeans, and they don't ride up on the jean and they stay in place and they're not as snug as a, as a brief. What are you? I'm a boxer man, boxer all the way. I do wear briefs, uh, when I run because, uh, <laughs> you don't want stuff happening when you're when, with the boxers that can happen when you're running. Uh, I'll just say that. For but, anyone who's um, ever met Jeff and Christian, this is quite, this is quite a mental image right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason we're talking about it is because we have a new sponsor, uh, and it's Mac Weldon, which is a, uh, a seller of, of awesome, high quality, Boxers and briefs and trunks, uh, underwear, socks, 
uh, basics, really, really cool high end stuff. And I think it's something that we don't think about enough. Um, the, the coolest thing about this guys, I have to really say this is this is a sponsor who didn't give us anything to read. They just asked us to try their product and talk about it. And I think that is the coolest thing. Cause Christian and I both did, we both got stuff from MacWeldon.com. Uh, and we tried it out and it's really, really good stuff. I far too much in my life. Don't pay attention to the little details. Don't, I don't like go and buy nice underwear for myself. I wear the stuff until it has holes in it. My boxers have holes in them. And I just, I'm, I'm so lazy. I buy the three pack from Costco or whatever. And it's, I, it, there's a palpable difference when you wear quality stuff, you feel better. The details, like my wife noticed notices, you know, it, it actually is better stuff. What was your experience, Christian? Well, I've been not known that they were going to be a sponsor, but uh, touting their stuff and the idea. I love the idea of men's basics. I've said it as finishing moves or <laughs> that's weekend confirmed as uh, <laughs> uh, at the end parting of our, gift. a parting gift. Thank you for, I feel like weeks in, or maybe even the year now. I love simplifying your wardrobe. Uh, I've been touting I think I've said get new underwear on the show last week. I think I said a pair of van slip ons, which are different, but it's the idea of you have a hoodie that you love. You can wear it every day. You get new underwear that fits you well and doesn't ride up. You can wear it all the time. An undershirt that's classic and bit. You never looked at a picture of James Dean in a dope t-shirt and jeans and thought, oh, he looks outdated. Basics are the way to go. And that's what they sell. So I'm, I'm happy that there is a company that I can say that I can recommend because before I'd been like, I don't know, find it for yourself and find some, something that you like. But, uh, I've been wearing my Mac Weldon hoodie for a week now and it's great. It does its job perfectly. It fits. It's warm. It's comfortable. You can wear it yeah. every day. These guys sell underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and they're all super high quality. The coolest thing about them too, is that, um, if you don't like your first pair, you can just keep it and they'll refund your money. Like that's how much they, they think that you'll dig their stuff. Um, we can give you a 20% off code. So all you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com, put in the promo code DLC. You'll get 20% off. I hope you do because these guys are a new sponsor and uh, I think there is a very useful thing for our audience. So check it out. Just go to MacWeldon.com, use that promo code DLC, order yourself uh, a couple pairs of boxers or some socks or a t-shirt uh, see how much nicer you feel. I honestly am throwing away all my old boxers and getting nice stuff because it really does make you feel good. My wife notices it's great. I'm so wearing honestly, the underwear right now, Christian is wearing the underwear right now. There's a mental image for you. Trunks, <laughs> Christian trunks. in trunks right trunks. now. Trunks 2016. Trunks <laughs> make America great again. <laughs> trunks. Uh, <laughs> All right, so thanks for Mac Weldon uh, for sponsoring the show. We appreciate it. Hey, a um, couple other things I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, the Dice Awards happened at Dice, uh, as they do, and um, I thought it was would be fun to talk about some of them because, like, some of our favorite games got awards. <laughs> Christian Ori in the Blind Forest uh, Forest got an award. It got Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction and Outstanding Achievement in Animation. So I'm sure you're happy about that. I'm very happy. Can I throw a, a tangent, but that's related, but still, a, it's a slight left turn. Sure. Um, dear any award show or panel at E3 or GDC or whatever, I would love to host your event and I would do a bang up job at it. 
I just want to throw that, that out there. That goes for two of us. Yeah, man. I'll be right there with you, buddy. And I, I am I a comedian. <laughs> and I love, I love, 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 love the individual who hosted the Dice Awards. He is one of the nicest people and so funny and so talented. But I also think that a lot of these award shows and E3 presentations, you don't need to be funny. You're a host. You're a hype man. And you get the show up and running. All I'm saying is if anyone wants to give me a chance or Jeff, we'd be great at it. We would. We, we're, we're dying to do it. I did hear you guys lobbying to host the PC gaming show a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. We'd knock that out of the park, Ozzy. About that. Yeah, we would. We would. It, it, um, would cer- it would certainly be a more exciting show than last year, but I won't go any further <laughs> Well, than that's that. not hard to accomplish that. Uh, but no, I, I know nothing against... Uh, um, no, no, of course not. Yeah. No, the hosting um, was the best part of the PC conference last year for what they had to work with. Hey, uh, any... any reaction to the to the awards fallout 4 of course the big winner at game of the year um i I did see a lot of eyebrows raised for heroes of the storm getting strategy slash simulation game of the year well it's a simulation of uh fantasy characters being sucked into a nexus and having to fight uh against uh towers that spawn human beings i mean obviously that's what that is i think a moba's a strategy absolutely it's a strategy I mean, are we at a point where that's that's it's almost time to kind of like split that type of game off into its own category? Or? Maybe, but or maybe it's just that good that it's better than games that aren't even in its category. That's how good Heroes of the Storm is, guys. This is very, this is very true. I haven't had a chance to jump in, but especially since they uh, issued the Lee Ming nerf, like she got nerfed big time a couple weeks ago. Hey guys, Christian here. Sorry. We uh, had a little internet problem in the middle of the episode and we lost some of the audio, unfortunately. Nothing earth-shattering is the end of Story of the Week. We talked about the Dice Awards some and then we transitioned into the playlist. And Ozzy is going first. He's talking about Hearthstone. You don't hear him say the name of the game, but he is talking about Hearthstone. So we're going to jump right into the playlist. And because the bumper music is so good and so fun... I'm going to play that right after this, and then we're in the playlist, and Ozzy's talking about Hearthstone. Enjoy. It's going. So they're doing the whole standard to to wild shift, and and which uh, for those that don't remember that uh, standard is going to be basically all of the expansions that have been released in the last year. And the basic and classic cards. Is that so, exciting or overwhelming? Because I hear that and I'm like, why bother? <laughs> it's uh, for me, it's a relief uh, in terms of, because once I've been losing to a lot of those uh, Naxxramas or Goblins versus no no cards, the the ones that are that I feel like kind of like a little bit overwhelming, a little bit overpowered. I'm just like, oh, well, you're not going to have that toy to play with in a couple of weeks, so we'll see who's laughing then, <laughs> and uh, just find a couple of new broken toys to play with. So it's. In terms of balance, I think that's probably the best thing they could have done. And it actually inadvertently wound up fixing a lot of the more broken cards. Like Mysterious Challenger was just kind of an overwhelming Paladin card in terms of like it calls down all your secrets. You can play it with a lot of like the other uh, Commons versus Gnome cards and like get an overwhelming deck. It's not unbeatable, but it's something that you're going to run into a lot. And the fact that this kind of fixes that by removing a lot of those cards... It, it's it's a little bit refreshing. It makes me feel a little bit better about jumping in, in, in into a into a ranked mm-hmm. match. Uh, the the thing that I'm a little more excited about is how it's going to co- uh, affect the competitive aspect of the game because we're seeing a lot. I I watched the the tournament qualifiers over the weekend, 
And a lot of those cards that were used are going away. And I'm actually really curious to see how it's going to affect the competitive aspect going forward. Like that's going to, that's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely following the, the, the magic, the gathering model, the, the tabletop, you know, collectible card game model, uh, and having these restrictions and, and narrowing the, the card choices down. Um, and, and the fact that they can do that digitally, it makes it much more efficient. It's going to be interesting to see how that changes the meta overall, as you're saying, that's uh, pretty cool. And I do like that they're going to, uh, from what I'm hearing, give you a little bit more of a mana boost for dusting off the cards that aren't going to be usable anymore. So that way you can just kind of go ahead and craft a few new legendaries, lap, uh, craft something out of the grand tournament, or grab something, craft something out of the classic mode. Like it's like it, it's not going to kill your deck. It's actually going to, if anything, test how good you are at building those decks because a lot of those cards are still viable. A lot of the classic cards are very viable. Yeah especially on the druid side and i'm actually looking forward to that nerf coming because there are still nerfs coming down the line it's especially if you're a druid player and i can't wait for savage roar to get its day <laughs> to finally get wrecked. Uh, it's interesting man I, I know i've said it before but uh, i only have room in my life for one blizzard game at a time because they are all consuming and heroes has completely destroyed hearthstone for me and i I feel bad about it because hearing you talk about it, it, it gives me that wistful remembrance of of joys that I've let that I've let go away. Sadly, did did you play? Uh, did you jump back into League of Explorers? Oh yeah, I did play that. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was a great expansion. So much fun, and it's affected the game in so many ways. You're seeing Brand Bronzebeard and uh, Reno Jackson just played constantly, and the way that they're implemented in certain decks is actually really clever. I'm enjoying i'm enjoying seeing the synergy and i'm enjoying seeing what players have come up with and finding new ways to not break the game but at least make it more to their advantage very cool man i i I feel that little itch that little hearthstone itch um you're also playing you're saying you have room for one blizzard game what about what about overwatch i don't have room for overwatch man i played I've, i've been playing a bunch of the beta yes but uh, every time I play that game, I go, eh, this game's not for me. All right, queuing up for another match. Uh, I'm playing it because my friends are <laughs> playing it and because it, it looks really pretty and it plays real smooth. And it, it, there is some joy to it. It's just, it really isn't for me. It's not the game for me. Is it is it the 6v6 type of thing that's kind of turning you off a little bit? Or no, is it just... it's, it's that, I just, I've never been a, a multiplayer first-person shooter guy. I don't like dying and not knowing why until i see the kill cam i don't like the fact that i can come around a corner and get sniped from a dude who's in a position way above me that that just never happens in a game like we uh heroes of the storm i i always know why i died i always i don't know it's if you die in heroes of the storm most of the time you did something stupid i mean there are times when you they just played better than you but that's 95% of the time for me. Well, and when you when you die in a first-person shooter multiplayer game, it's just sort of part of it. Like, that's just part of it. You're just – it just happens. And I, I I don't know. I have a hard time with that. I think it's it's the same principle for both is once you die, you kind of learn to adapt a little bit. And like, if you're getting sniped and you're a healer character, you're kind of learning to hide behind the walls a little more. Or if in the case of a MOBA, if you're, if you're dying because you rushed in, don't rush yeah. in. So it, it it's it's a matter of knowing when to kind of adjust your strategies and when to adapt. Now you're a you're a team fortress guy, right? But uh, you're playing Overwatch. I am 
you know, Team Fortress is my baby. Like I've been playing that since I want to say since launch, and it it's the reason that I actually I was I've been a console gamer my whole life. But Team Fortress made me go out and get a PC and go play on that version because that was the only one getting updated. So it was interesting to go from Overwatch from from the beta to what looks like a much more visually polished game with its 6v6 team mechanics and then suddenly see a post on our shack news chatty boards going hey we're all gonna play team fortress tonight (laughs) all right i'll jump into this and tf2 just it's aged remarkably well i'm still surprised at like what a at what a fun game that still is even even with like the new weaponry and like everything else but i will say that there are places where it hasn't aged so well like i like that overwatch has introduced that player progression system and it's basically, it's basically like the the normal Blizzard system, like something you'd see in Hearthstone or Heroes, where you do your daily quest, you get your loot boxes, and you open it up, and you're like, oh, I got a, uh, I got a taunt, or I got a spray, or I got something cool right. like that. And with TF2, it's the same model that it was like way back when, where it's like, hey, here's a random drop, where and it may be a weapon you already have, and it's like, okay, I haven't picked this game up in five six years. How am I still getting the exact same weapons that I that I was getting like seven years ago? <laughs> like, I, I can't get anything new. I, they've added taunts, they've added stuff to the game, but actually getting it is almost impossible. You have to go out and buy it, and that's and that's really that's kind of. I a mean, the, the loot system in Overwatch is so cool, and yet I don't find myself particularly compelled by it simply because I, the coolest thing by far in the game are the the skins, the skins are amazing that they've added in. And yet I'm playing in first person. So I don't get to see my cool skin. I don't, I don't have the joy of watching my cool guy do cool stuff. I, other people get to see my cool skin. That's not, it's the hat phenomenon, Jeff. I mean, it's the same thing with uh, TF2 where you would earn so many cool hats. It's like, Hey, cool. Look at my hat. Like, but I can't see my hat. I mean, I'm in first person. Maybe if I press X and start taunting, but other than that, you know, I don't get to see my, the cool headgear or the cool like outfit that I put on it's it, it's just a cool it's just a cool thing to get but you know it's not something for you to enjoy in game I guess not it, that honestly has an effect on me wanting to grind for it but I know I don't know first world problems I guess but you're you're digging overwatch you like it I, I'm enjoying it and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing like where it goes from there and I'm still getting used to a couple of the heroes like I've I tried May it's it's not oh geez there i like the idea of a mr freeze character but uh, so far i'm not doing very well with her i'm actually much better with lucio in terms of like being able to buff the people around me and being able to to work to not just be a competent healer but also be able to hold my own on the offensive end like that's the thing that that's been missing from a lot of healer characters is if they get cornered they're pretty much dead and that's that's actually the case for a few of the other characters. Zenyatta yeah. is that kind of character where if he gets cornered, he's kind of defenseless. Yeah. But someone like Lucio has got got some pretty good uh, good firepower. I definitely recommend anybody. I've said this to people uh, that have, that have gotten into the game. If you don't, if you're not super comfortable, the first character you can play is Lucio. It's the easiest to understand. You you aren't just healing. You aren't. Oh, what's the angel character that just uh, does the healing beam? Mercy, mercy yeah I remember. uh you aren't uh, you aren't just healy healy beam person that's just you know running around sort of being superfluous you actually can participate in the fights and also heal and also buff and knowing when to pop those things it's really fun so yeah he he definitely is is a, a great character to start with in my opinion and i guess the other big difference between the two games is matchups matter 
in Overwatch since it is just 6v6 and there are like 18 characters. So actually having a certain team out there, it's kind of like Heroes of the Storm in that sense, is you have to be able to play the matchups. And with TF2, you can just pick anybody and just be fine. You can even have an entire team of heavies Mm -hmm. or an entire team of heavies and medics and just kind of be okay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that game continues to evolve also So because it has had huge, huge changes already. I mean, at Blizz, just as recently as BlizzCon, they were like, only, the only skins we're going to do are sort of in-game, in, in lore, consistent with their history. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, now we have Crazy Jungle Cruise guy. And, you know. <laughs> um, it, it, it's not like Hearthstone in the sense that Hearthstone's like, you know, basically Earth 2 Azeroth. Right. Like Overwatch is just going to kind of just play around with the whole thing. And they have an entire console generation or not console generation what am i saying they're, they're gonna have like a, about a 10-year life cycle to play with this stuff sure. so uh christian you've been playing street fighter 5 i know we talked about it a little bit but i know both of you guys have been playing it a bunch um do you want to hit on that again briefly yeah so my thoughts on street fighter 5 is as i'm playing it i'm wondering and i know dive kick tried but like what can recapture in mainstream the 1v1 fighter and it's this i think delicate balance of complexity to appease longtime fans but simplicity to bring in new people and then teaching and i feel like where street fighter 5 fails the biggest in its current incarnation the incarnation you can buy and play is in its teaching i think it did simplify from four and and it's from three and some of the alphas but understanding what your V talent is and, and how to do it and when to do it and strategy for doing it. I know there's a training mode and I know you can go online. But for I think what's supposed to be a flagship fighter, it's severely lacking in educating. And I think what made Street Fighter 2 such a phenomenon, you know, all those decades ago is that it's trick to figure out where the special moves and there were a few combos in there you could pull off, like, uh, what was it, jumping high kick to low medium kick or, you know, whatever. You could do a three-hit combo. But so much of that game was figuring out how to do the specials, and then once you could figure those out, then, you know, mastering the frames and learning when you're vulnerable and when you're not. But there wasn't as much mental chess. And I know uh, Seth talked about that when he was still at Capcom, the idea of simplifying fighters for the everyday player and well, I isn't like he Street doing Fighter... his own game now? Isn't he doing a free-to-play? He's doing Rising yeah, Thunder, Rising Thunder, which is yeah. actually doing pretty well right now on PC. Right, which is also trying to tackle that. And so bringing it to, back to Street Fighter V, I think it's interesting how the Street Fighter franchise attempted to tackle it. And I, I really think it's close if an update can add a good educational tool to explain these things to new players. Because without it, I feel like you're at a loss. Yeah. Or even if, if like the challenge mode that they eventually implement kind of has that kind of teaching tool where it's like, oh, this challenge is just going to have you doing like learning this move like that. That can be a good way to teach people, too, and also give them the fight money that they need to unlock characters down the line. So now there you're are ways to do it. Crazy talk, Ozzy. You can yeah. teach people <laughs> and reward them at the same time. You clearly exactly. don't work at Capcom. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. I I'm so I, I I keep coming back to that game because I love Street Fighter. I have always loved Street Fighter. I've always been Street Fighter Two was my favorite game in the world when it was out, and and for the few years surrounding that, 
I was a massive, massive fan of that game, uh, much more than I ever was of Mortal Kombat. I just, I love the Street Fighter franchise. I was so excited for this one. And it's ridiculous that you can sit down and play through their quote unquote story missions in like an hour. You can get through all of them. Not even. Not even. Right, not even. And so I did that. Okay, good. That was good. I mean, that was a few minutes of, of entertainment, I guess. They are what they are. It's a tease. It's a total a tease. Story it's it's nothing line. like some of them. Some of them, an entire character's quote unquote story is two fights, and you have like a pers- one round each. By the what? Way. One round. Yeah, each, one by round the way. each. Two fights. A couple of them. I think Dalsim is like two fights. Uh, and it, it hilariously it has like a percentage that you've completed of it. You know so. <laughs> I thought that was – It's ridiculous. It, it is so baffling to me. It's like, okay, so I did that. All right, well, maybe I'll hop in and play some online. Okay, I'll just pop that on. Wow, this is taking a while. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> ah. You can play survival, but that's also one round. Yeah. Each. It's so – it's ridiculous. Like, what do I even do? I want to be playing this. What do I even do here? What do I do? Give me something to do. Ugh. It it's it goes back to that whole uh, preaching in the choir thing where they basically released it to have it ready for the Capcom Pro Tour, which is great for them. But what about everybody else? You know, I mean, yeah. you can't just you can't just release for your solely for your base. Yeah, I mean, that's going to hurt you down the line. Uh, anyway, well, that's Street Fighter Five. Did you anything else you wanted to say, Christian, or is that? No, I mean, I think that I'm curious if other people disagree and they think that it does. It is welcoming to new players. And I think it's a really interesting if devs are listening, any of our developer friends, you can chime in an, uh, anonymously for sure. And just let us know how you handle that, you know, keeping your fan base happy while welcoming new players at each big installment, too, because it's a difficult challenge, I think. Yeah, I feel like the tutorial aspect is like an afterthought is something that comes later down the line. I know Killer Instinct has been playing with that idea for like season two and season three is just like offering more tools to teach new players, but that's, it's never really available like out of the box. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, Christian, uh, what else you got on your playlist? So I finished firewatch oh. and no spoilers at all. I'm not going to Please say don't, anything about I the haven't played game. it yet, <laughs> but um, beautiful. I really enjoyed it. I think it's totally worth playing <clears throat> and worth every penny that I spent on it. And um, I, I really enjoyed the narrative. I really enjoyed my time with the game. And the frame rate hiccups stayed for me. I don't know if the patch installed or not. I have my PS4 in rest mode, so I thought it would have done it automatically. But even despite those, if they stayed forever, I, I highly recommend recommend the game. And kudos to that team for um, getting that game out there. Have you, has your opinion changed on it, uh, reflecting on it at all, Jeff? No, no, I, I really love it. And, um, you know, our friend Raj, uh, emailed and said he wants to do a, he would love to participate in a spoiler cast version on that game. And maybe now that you finished it, maybe we'll do that as a bit of bonus audio. Uh, I think it'd be fun to talk in detail about stuff. Cause I think the, um, the, the story itself does, didn't land with as much of a punch as I think it could have. So I, I you know, I didn't, love the ending but uh we, we can talk about that if we do that uh that spoiler cast i think that'd be a good time but i, I you know overall love the, love the game and and just think it's very special in a whole lot of ways yeah that i'd love to do the the spoiler cast the last game i spent some time with is the gigantic closed beta has rolled out a little wider gigantic is the first person moba and um absolutely love the art style of this game still 
It is, you know, once hated when when Zelda Wind Waker did it with this cell shaded cartoon, you know, look. But in an HD version, just beautiful, beautiful world. This game too, when you when you load it up, at least the beta, when you load it up, it it really does walk you through some training. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna learn my character a little bit about my character, a little bit about you know, my gigantic and, you know, my monster that's going to help me win this thing. That's such an integral part of, of this version of a MOBA. And they, I got to commend them. They did a really good job, including that and making it up front. But <laughs> someone is going to crack this nut. And when they do, it's going to be an aha moment, like how you teach someone while engaging them and making them want to come back because as I'm playing this tutorial, this is me as a hypocrite. As I'm playing this tutorial, I'm thinking, this is so boring. I just want to play the game. <laughs> and then when I'm playing Street Fighter V and I'm playing the game, I'm like, I don't understand this game. I wish someone would teach me the game. And part of it is me as a parent with kids and limited time to sit down and play games. I get it. But there has to be a way to engage a user like me and teach me the game in a way that isn't just shoot this guy 10 times. Perfect. Do this four times. Perfect. Push this button. Perfect. My question to you, Jeff, as someone who first started willing to teach people MOBAs, and I know Heroes is not gigantic. It's a different different beast. But in your experience learning, and you joked to Ozzy earlier, just play a thousand games, is there is there a way to crack this nut? Or am I, it's just, it really is just spend time with it and learn, learn the thing, learn the thing, learn the thing. Because other communities have tried, uh, you know, rewarding people for teaching, setting up tutorial videos for a league. Because um, you need new players and you want the players to understand your awesome systems because that's what keeps the game interesting. Is there an answer? Here's the thing that I've come to on this. Because I think that we as gamers are... Uh, a, expect what games have done in the last 20 years, which is turn them on, start with not knowing how to play and within a level, understand the game and be able to be pretty good at it. Right. That's not how these games work. These games are much more, much more similar to uh, a sport. I mean, obviously they are a sport. They're an e-sport, but it's much more, it's much more akin to, baseball like or basketball if you if i hand you a ball and tell you how to you the goal of the game is to put the ball through the hoop that doesn't mean in 15 minutes you're going to be good at putting the ball through the hoop it it means you understand the goal but you do have to practice you there is no way for a game we i think we as gamers expect the game to teach us like it's the responsibility of the game to make me good at this so that when I get on and people that are good, I can play with people that are good, but it's not the game's responsibility. The game is the game and the game, all of those games teach you the rules, which is what you get when you step onto a baseball field. You know, the rules, you hit the ball with the bat, but when the guy throws the ball at you and you swing and you miss, you don't go, well, this game is stupid. You, (laughs) You go, well, I'm just not, I can't, I didn't hit the ball. It's like, well, it's the same thing. And and I think that's the problem is what I've come to is it really takes deciding you want to learn, putting the time in and losing a lot and losing a lot in the right modes. Like I understand the frustration of being in a, you know, getting yelled at when you're doing something wrong. That's not fun. If you were stepped on a baseball field and you swung and you missed and everybody went, noob, why don't you swing, you know, get out of here with your swings. 
everybody would, nobody would play baseball, but people understand that baseball is hard and you don't get it right away. And there are, you know, there's little league, <laughs> you don't jump into uh, you know, a competitive game uh, before you, you try, you know, playing with your, you know, beginners. So there are modes that are the right place to learn and lose and do things over and over and over again. And the rewards are as rewarding as it is to get good at a sport. It is, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to be in the big leagues. I'm not going to play in any esports tournaments, but I can play well enough that I know that I can walk out onto a court and and hold my own. And it feels awesome to know that I'm good and know what is expected and know where I should be in this moment and know when I die, why I died and what I did wrong. All of that stuff is extraordinarily satisfying, but it only comes like everything else in life from experience and from doing things over and over again. Well, I I think think you hit on something that's fascinating because I think you're right in the sense that we and I I don't need to project my feelings to everyone else. Expect the game to teach me. Whereas if I walk onto a basketball court, as ludicrous as this sounds, I'm not sitting there going, teach me how to play court. How do I play? Because it's an animate thing and it can't. I'm relying on my friends and other people there to teach me how to play. But because a game is a thing that I can have a dialogue with, I do and I think rightfully expect it to help, but also, you know, Dan Trachtenberg was big in getting me to try a Soul Series game. And I think he was with you too. Yes. It's like you need that friend and that mentor, but I, I, I hope that there's a way for that mentor and the game to work be- I'm putting I'm interlocking my fingers. <laughs> no one can see. To to work together in a way that is more encouraging the same way playing pickup or playing T ball for the first time is with a coach who's giving me an orange slice in a Capri Sun. Yeah. No, have I, you dove into this Aussie at all? I mean, I know Hearthstone and whatever, but like, do you, are you someone who looks for training and, and games or are you just dive in and you figure it out with a MOBA for sure. It's something that I definitely try and get at least an idea of what I'm doing. But uh, it, it's interesting that you, that you bring all this up because now I'm remembering when I spoke to some of the developers at Capcom about street fighter five way back at Evo, where basically the mentality is they want to give you the tools to learn the game. They want to give you the tools that if you put in enough time and enough effort to learn the systems, you can get good at the game and you can do pretty well. You can win a couple of matches. You can even, you can even, you know, potentially be great. They're the goal for the developer is to make sure that the system isn't broken, that there are certain aspects of the game that are, that's, just that if you go up against it, you lose every time. That's the goal of the developer. So, so it, it, it's interesting that... I mean, I, I think you're right, Ozzy. I think, I think what people are saying when they say, I want, you know, these games are hard to get into and I need... What you're actually saying is it sucks to lose over and over again. And I totally agree. It does. I I don't like it when I jump into uh, Overwatch and I lose over and over again. I don't like it when I'm playing a a first-person shooter and all I do is get shot in the head and I don't know where it came from. I get it. And when you play a lot and you get better and you understand how to avoid those things and where the map is and how to not have that, you get better. But I, I don't think it's the game's responsibility to make a situation where at every skill level you don't you aren't going to lose. I think it takes understanding that these things in a competitive environment are trial and error. And there's going to be a heck of a lot of error and you're going to have to just, if you want to get better, 
play against AI and understand how things work and play, you know, get in situations where it doesn't hurt so much to lose, but you can lose and that's okay. And it's a harsh reality. And I think uh, one of the things that we just posted on Shaq News uh, probably a couple of minutes ago uh, was, uh, is one of our chatty posters basically going, it's okay to lose. You're going to lose a lot in this game, but you're going to learn as you go. And eventually you're going to lose a little less, but don't get discouraged by the fact that you're going to lose repeatedly when you start out. And you can say that for pretty much anything. I think the, the win ratio for Dota or League of Legends is like, what, 30% something like that like yeah. it's a low percentage you're going to lose a lot at these games and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that it's, oh i don't like as losing long as you're, don't get me wrong as long as you're <laughs> learning as long as you're learning something new every time out yeah the the goal win rate uh, is 50% right for for heroes and and i hate it i hate that that downside of that 50% it's 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 awful it feels terrible so this is maybe my last thought on it and, and i'm formulating these as we go and i wonder now if my problem is every other video game you win. That is what you like single player video games. You it's win. about empowerment. You play the game until you win yeah. and you're not done with the game until you win the game. And you're empowered the entire time. But but, yeah. but the difference but the difference with a single player game is that a lot of the times you're playing to a story and you're playing to reach the end of that story and to see how that story ends. And if you make that game to, that single player story too hard, then you can't see the ending and you block off that part for the player. And that doesn't satisfy anybody. So well, but you guys are talking it, about the way games have been only for the last oh, 10 no. to 15 years. The ga- way games started out was that you lose all the time. They ask yeah. for your quarter and they, and they break you. <laughs> so that's, that's how games like started. Fighter. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I really enjoy it. We don't need to dwell on it much longer, but I, I find this fascinating. I guess like the theory behind the evolution of game and how it interacts with the player and how you handle it. Um, I'm having all of these thoughts right now, so I apologize if they're messy to our listeners, but I love stuff like this, swinging it all the way back. Gigantic well, is beautiful. Let me controlled also say well for quick, me. I would love for people to, to write in about this topic because I think it's it's juicy as well. Uh, so dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But gigantic, you like it. I like it so far. It's beautiful. It controls well. It's fast. It's fluid. Um, and I'm enjoying a first-person take on a MOBA. It feels familiar to me, whereas Heroes and League doesn't. Did you ever play Smite? A little bit and not enough to get good at. It was uh, like what beta early access or whenever it was I jumped into and I was like, this is fun. And then I never came back. I think it's about to come out on PS4 or Xbox One. One of the yeah, whichever one it's not out on now. It's on Xbox One now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paragon from Ekbet Games is kind of looking like that first person MOBA type of game. That That should be interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? How are you spending your time, buddy? Oh, man. So many games. In fact, <laughs> there's a couple that I'm not allowed to talk about yet until middle of this week. So it's too early. Yeah, so I'll talk you. about what's that? I feel you. Yeah. Know exactly which ones you're talking about. Uh, well, I'm a far cry from playing any of those about. anyway. <laughs> there's one I want to talk about so bad, you guys. Uh, it's super <laughs> hot. Super hot. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that next week. But. Um, I have been playing a, a few betas, and, and apropos of this topic of MMOs, I've been playing the beta for Atlas Reactor. Uh, are you guys familiar with this game, the turn-based MMO? A turn-based MMO? No, I, I, I don't think I've, I've seen this. Fascinating topic. I'm so curious, Christian, if you would dig this game. It is a top-down, uh, you know, isometric MMO in the style of League of Legends or Dota, but done turn-based so everybody has a chance to plot out their moves all at the same time you have a a timer counting down how long you get to plot out your moves and then once once everybody's got their moves 
in, all those moves happen. And uh, it's brilliant how they figured out how to make this work because basically things proc in a certain order. So there's certain phases of a turn. But if you if you sh- if you choose to attack and somebody else chooses to attack and his attack kills you, but your if his attack kills you, his attack goes off, it kills you, but your attack also goes off. So it doesn't. There's no like he killed you before you had a chance to shoot. You still, even if you died when it animated his version of what happened, you still get to do your version of what happened because you both chose to do it at the same moment in the same phase. But there are different phases of your turn. So if you dash away, he can still shoot where you used to be and you won't be there. Um, Big, colorful cast of characters as with any MMO with lots of different uh, move sets and abilities. Uh, I think this is really, really interesting and really cool. Uh, it's it's very thinky because you're trying to, you know, it slows everything down and you're trying to go, okay, where do you think I should go? <laughs> I can only imagine what this would be like. I only played it solo uh, in the beta so far, but I can only imagine what this might be like playing with a, a team because everybody's like, well, what should I be doing right now? Uh, what's our plan of attack for this round? Everybody go, go, go. Um, so it's XCOM to a much larger scale then. Yeah, it's XCOM if everybody is moving at the same time and the whole battlefield is shifting in the same move. Um, so it's not like I move, you move. It's like we all plan our moves all at the same time, enemies and our team all at the same time, and, it, and then it all plays out and we see what happened. Uh, but somehow they managed to make that not absolutely chaotic because everything happens in a certain order and it's not like... It's not like a game like Robo Rally uh, on the on the tabletop where you're trying to plan out your stuff and the fun is it playing out in ways you didn't anticipate. It still plays out in the way you think you you thought it would because uh, because of the way the turns proc. So uh, it's not like you're going, oh well, he wasn't even there when I when I shot and all this whole plan I had didn't work out it still works out and it's still very strategic. It's not just chaos. Uh, and it's, it's very impressive how they pulled that off. So um, it's called Atlas reactor. I, I urge people to check it out. Very interesting, very interesting game. It sounds exciting. And I don't know if that's more stressful or less stressful than, than uh, watching it all unfold. Cause I, is there a moment of nail biting or how fast do the turns happen? Or are you kind of sitting there going, they happen pretty quickly. Uh, also, you still respawn like you would in any other MOBA. So, you know, you're used to those types of games like XCOM where if you die, you're dead and that's it. But but the first time I died, I was like, oh, and there's like respawn in one move. And I was like, oh, oh, I'll be I'll be back. That's cool. I'm all, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's very much a MOBA, uh, even though there's it, it, I basically was playing like team deathmatch mode. Um but you can, it allows for things like there's a character that does like all ricochet shots. So it lets you like line things up and plan things out and you have enough time to do that, but you're not enough time to sort of belabor the point and feel like you're just sitting around doing nothing. And everybody's making those decisions at the same time. So once you're done, pretty much everybody's done. It's cool. That's pretty cool. I like that people are exploring the space more and more, right? And trying to carve off their niche and, and tinker the gameplay instead of just saying, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other betas. Uh, I tried the Black Desert Online beta, which is the new MMO uh, that you've probably seen screenshots from the character creator because they released the character creator on its own, which by f- is by far the most impressive thing about this game. Uh, not because the rest of the game isn't impressive, but because the character creator is 
insane. Uh, have you guys seen this stuff that somebody created like a, uh, almost, almost picture perfect version of like late stage Michael Jackson. Whoa. <laughs> what? It, it looks photo real guys. It's insane. The graphics of this game are really incredible. And the, the fact that it's an MMO with no loading times between areas. And yet the character characters look this distinct and you can make them, you can customize them to an incredible degree. And it's all that like push pull. Um, I'm messing with clay type, uh, you know, you grip onto like the cheekbones and yank them. Or, but there's like 50 different points on the face that you can touch and move and shape uh, to get exactly what you want. It's crazy, the character creator in this game. Uh, the game itself uh, is really insane. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's it suffers from an information distribution problem. Because it's so dense and there's so much coming at you and it does not like I don't understand how these people can make an MMO with these this many systems in it and not understand that they need to clarify everything like there needs to be a pass on just making things understandable and clear Um because it is, it, there's just so much at work and so much information on the screen at any given time. The combat system is really cool. It's very much an arcadey, action-based sort of um, um, Devil May Cry style, you know, kind of like what Terra was. It just doesn't work as well as Terra. Terra, I think, did that action MMO thing so much better. It, it really hasn't been surpassed yet. Uh, even though this game looks so beautiful, and the combos are still fun. It's it basically it's you know you have an attack, you press a mouse button to do an attack, but combine that with a direction that you're you know hitting on the WASD changes alters the attack. So you can do all kinds of crazy attacks uh, and combos and, and very actiony, very much unlike WoW. But um, but so much information being popped up at you at any given time and the all of the wild and wacky like there's this very dense conversation system where you earn points and you have like everybody in the world has an opinion of you and you can open up conversation points by talking to them and and earning it's very complex like mini game that alters what information you know it is so dense and there's so much going on and i just my friends and i who are sort of my mmo playing group we all jumped in to the beta, very excited because we had seen the screenshots and it looked so pretty. Uh, and within a few hours that we all got to about level 15. And by that point we were just like, ah, this doesn't really, this is just more complicated than it, than it needs to be. It's, it's, it's unwieldy and, and awkward and it just doesn't come together into any cohesive whole. Maybe by the time it comes out of beta, it will have a pass for just simplicity and clarity and it'll make it more fun. Uh, as of right now, we jumped over to another free-to-play MMO and played a bunch of Blade and Soul, which is a, a, another sort of Terra-esque action MMO. And we had much more fun playing that. Um, I'm sure I'll be playing a lot more of it this week because all my buddies are are in it. Um, so I'll probably talk about it more going forward. But uh, I'm enjoying Blade and Soul, which is a completely free-to-play game that is also a little bonkers in its own way because it has this like crazy spin a wheel and get a prize aspect to it that feels very uh feels very free to play uh mobile space kind of game uh but it it kind of works i don't know i'm very early on in blade and soul and i don't have i haven't formed a complete opinion but it, it's much more clear than 
uh, Black Desert Online was. So we're we're enjoying that a bit more. I'm I'm proud of you for diving in and trying these things. I feel like. You know, I played the gigantic beta because I liked it on show floors and uh, so give me something to talk about. And but at the same time, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I need to quit doing that and just playing more of the games that I know I like. And uh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's really it's you know, I have this group of guys. Uh, it's the old TRS crew uh, that we just for some reason, what's fun is playing MMOs. We, we, you know, we started with WoW and we've just played a whole, pretty much every MMO that's come out. We gave some time to, um, and I realize, you know, this week I was kind of thinking on that phenomenon and going, I get why people play destiny because the game itself has very little to do with it. It really is like as bad as we kind of felt black deserts beta turned out to be we we just really it wasn't clicking with us it kind of didn't matter because we were all just hanging out together and at blade and soul like these these mmos there's not much going on you go you get your quest we're not really invested in the story we're just we're just hanging out it's just more about hanging out together on chat you know and and doing something together and i so i get the destiny thing too it's the same phenomenon um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that'll be it for our, uh, our playlist. I know there's a lot of games. I can't wait till next week, guys. There's two games I can't wait to talk to you about, but the embargoes are up this midweek and they both come out this week. Uh, fire in the flood and super hot boy. Can't wait to talk about those games. Um, I do have a cool email here that was sent into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This is from Jason Herder. Thought we could hit on this real quick. He says, hi guys. I wanted to write in and ask what your thoughts are on achievements. I am the very definition of a completionist when it comes to gaming. As a kid, I uh, it just meant finding all 120 stars in Mario 64. But now completing a game can also mean, mean spending hundreds of hours online grinding through multiplayer experiences just so I can get a few seconds of sweet relief when that last achievement finally pops. I realize that devs put certain achievements in their games to extend the shelf life and keep people playing their games. But man, it's frustrating. I used to play games simply for the fun of them, but now I find myself burdened by games that I haven't heard 100% on. I hesitate to even start large open world games because I know that the achievements will take so long to complete. How can I change my perspective? As a working adult, I no longer can prioritize the hundreds of hours to truly complete a game anymore. I want to enjoy games again, not just see them as digital checklists to complete any advice. Thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Jason Herter, Ozzy, do you have the... uh, the achievement bug. Uh, I I used to be an achievement hunter. Not so much anymore. Now that I don't have as much time to play games these days, and I by that of course I mean I have too many games on my plate these days. When I used to take them one at a time, yeah, I had the luxury of hunting for achievements, but I don't really have the time for that anymore. Are you happy with that switch that you know you're playing so many games or you have to play so many games for review that you're not deep diving in and getting these achievements or? In a perfect Aussie world, would you be able to have all of these games marinate all around your body? I would just love to be able to just soak <laughs> everything in. So, but unfortunately, <laughs> I don't live in that world at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've i never got hooked by the achievement bug, wrangle, must do this, must do that. I do like seeing the little notification pop up and go like, oh, look at that. That's neat. Uh, I feel good about myself. It's just weird 
you know, dopamine release, like, good job, buddy, pat on the head. Jeff, did it ever, did it ever hook you? Yeah. I, in the early days of the Xbox 360, I was all about the achievements. I loved them. I was tied into that ecosystem. I, I, you know, compared my achievements with my buddies online. And honestly, what changed it for me was the switch over to the new consoles, because all of a sudden I was playing more on the PlayStation than I had been the previous generation. Things were separated. It wasn't, it feels like the new dashboard on Xbox one really de-emphasized them. And all of a sudden I stopped caring because it was like, oh, well, this isn't a big part of this world for me anymore. Um, As far as advice for Jason, Man, it's I I understand the feeling of like wanting to complete things. I don't know. I don't know how you how you break that of yourself, if, especially if you have a community of friends that all care about that stuff. I I get real competitive about that thing and it, and really what stopped it for me was that people played on different systems and my my sort of network of of competitors broke off. So, maybe you can break off your competitors somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that's the the key is just find your happy spot. <laughs> and if that's, you know, breaking off or, you know, building a wall in your brain, I don't quite know that there's not a succinct answer like this is a surefire thing to do, but find something and stick to it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, I, you know, I love answering questions, even though we pretty much didn't answer that one. But it's interesting to me, the, the achievement thing, because I, man, I used to love them. And now I just, I really don't even pay attention anymore. Uh, I like it when, when they pop up and that I did them, but I used to strive for them. And now, no, don't even care. Um, right, let's, uh, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time, shall we? Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Uh, hey, Ozzy, do you have any um, do you have any board games that you've been playing? Are you a board game guy, Ozzy? Uh, I haven't had a chance to play board games, but I do like board games. I just haven't played any lately. <laughs> yeah, time is the the hard part, I think, to carve off. I'm with you and haven't really been able to carve off a ton of tabletop time but i do enjoy them as well jeff what uh what time picks do you have time is the time is the main issue for me in in regards to finishing pandemic legacy you guys have heard me talk about uh the campaign that i've been playing of camp of uh, pandemic legacy which can be as many as uh 24 total games and as few as 12 we are somewhere in between there um and the the holidays happened and we sort of hadn't played we were into October, I believe, uh, because the, there's one game, as many as two, but as few as one game per month in the campaign of of uh, Pandemic Legacy uh, on the on the calendar in the game. That is, and uh, we had uh, we had gotten up to October in the game, which we played in December, and then had had all kinds of stuff come up, holidays and traveling and all kinds of stuff, and we couldn't get our group act together. We finally did. And uh, thought we were going to finish it out. We didn't quite finish it out. But man, the game, it just is crescendoing. It's a really interesting thing. Like sort of at the end of Act 2, uh, which you don't really have a clear act break. But it, you feel it by the end that this game is telling a story that is broken into acts. And it really felt hopeless. There's a box in Pandemic Legacy that you only open if you lose four games in a row. And we lost three in a row. And we were like, well, this is really depressing that we lost three in a row. But... If we lose one more, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll be able to open that box and see what is in there. 
But this really cool turn happened in the middle of the game. And that's what's so cool about Pandemic Legacy because these things get added into the game. These new uh, packets get opened and new rules get introduced in the middle of games, not between game sessions. And I think that's really the the genius behind uh, this legacy concept is that the, the game changes up on you in the middle of a game. So all of a sudden the objective that you've been working toward gets thrown in the garbage and new things uh, pop up and you have to roll with the punches. And sometimes like what happened to us is you get empowered because that objective that you've been struggling with all of a sudden gets flipped on its head and you now are empowered in a new way. So much fun. I cannot recommend this game higher. If you've ever played Pandemic, which is a cooperative game about um, uh, curing diseases around the world, which doesn't sound super fun, but it is. Uh, this game is just... It's taken the board gaming world by storm, and rightfully so. It's so good. Rob Davio and Matt Lee Cox, Pandemic Legacy. Um, I will be reporting back to uh, more when I finish finish, which we're, we're in December now. We're at the end. Um, but I also want to read a, a quick email. This was uh, sent to us at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This is from Fireweaver from Oxford. Uh, he says, when Chris, uh, Chris Bergman was on, you guys talked about a great location for gaming, and I thought I would share an experience. Last year, I went to the wedding of a gaming friend. There were a few of us from our Let's Play recording team spending a few days in the area to celebrate. We are all living across Europe, and we don't get to meet in real life too often. So it was a rare opportunity. We wanted to do some board gaming whilst we were together, and finding that a cramped hotel room was not sufficient for the game we had in mind, we ventured out to look for an impromptu spot. The task was not so simple, as it was a Sunday, and we were in the middle of Manchester, which is a bustling city at the weekend. Our first instinct was to find a coffee shop and play there, but every coffee shop we went to was far too noisy and busy, and we had to give up on that idea. We decided to wander around for a bit looking for inspiration, but with eight of us, it was difficult to find a place with a big enough table to sit together. We eventually stumbled upon a small pub located under some railway arches. It was completely empty of customers, but was serving a traditional English roast dinner. We ventured in and explained what we wanted to the poor barmaid who was working alone on this quiet Sunday afternoon. She allowed us to rearrange the space, so we moved some tables together and decided to order food. With great food and a huge space to ourselves, we spent the rest of the afternoon playing alchemists and a couple of rounds of munchkin. With the barmaid bringing us food and drinks and with good friends, we had a great time. The lessons I learned was that with a good eye, you don't need to have a dedicated gaming space. And if you're determined, you can play almost anywhere. I would also add that with the rise of micro games like Love Letter, you can almost literally play anywhere in line, on the bus, or on a long car journey, as long as you have people to play with that let the world be your oyster. Many thanks for a great show. Fireweaver. I thought that was really cool. And it, it goes to show that uh, I think a lot of people let as we were just talking about, time and circumstance get in the way of, uh, of gaming. And it doesn't have to be the case. You really can game anywhere as long as you're determined and you get some people to be, uh, be willing to do that with you. I think you can, you can make cool situations. And I loved that story. I thought that was neat. I hope they tipped very well. I know if there's not tipping necessarily in the UK, I don't know. But I hope in this instance, they tipped very well. <laughs> I agree. She deserved it. So uh, very cool. Uh, again, I uh, love hearing stories like that. So you should send them in, guys. Uh, all right. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, we do have a parting gift coming for you right up. But uh, and 
we do need to thank uh, Ozzy Mejia for being here. Ozzy, um, man, we miss you and we love your work at Shack News. Thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, where can people keep up with your work this week? Uh, shacknews.com. Uh, we're posting uh, stuff throughout the week. We're going to be uh, jumping into a lot of the games that we couldn't talk about this week. Uh, stuff like Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare, uh, Fire Emblem, uh, Fire Emblem Fates. Shoot, what else is coming out this week? The Walking Dead Michonne. That's a, that's one that we're going to be talking about tomorrow. And, of course, uh, Far Cry Primal. So uh, be sure to visit the site. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you and join the conversation in our uh, chatty boards. We'd love to uh, we'd love to say hello. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Ozzy. Uh, I am uh, at Spicer on Twitter. Easy way to find me. I'm trying to think stuff not in LA. I'll be in San Diego this Saturday at the La Jolla Comedy Store with Sam Tripoli. If you are in town doing both of those shows in San Diego. And then uh, the next thing kind of it's far away, but I will be in Salt Lake City May 19th, 20th and 21st. I don't have all the details on the shows yet. But when I do, you will see them posted on Twitter. And then again, at the end of the show, my new parenting podcast that I do with a friend, Chris Quintos, where her and I talk about parenting stories and answer your questions. It is Department of Parenting. Check it out. Uh, Hopefully you dig it. Jeff Kanata, what uh, what you got popping? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Also, I have several shows for your enjoyment. I have a show about movies and television uh, called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at SlashFilm.com or at SlashFilmcast.com. And I have a show about technology over on CNET. It's a video show. It's really fun. In fact, this last week, we had an expert come in and tell us why that cool discovery about gravitational waves meant anything, like what it what it even means. Uh, I was really proud of that. It was fun. Um, so check that out over at tomorrowdaily.com. And then, of course, the uh, the comedy science show that I do with uh, Anthony Carboni is called We Have Concerns, and you can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys, let's get into it now, uh, our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Ozzy, do you have uh, a parting gift to give the people? Something to get them through their week? Uh, well, uh, first off, I want to thank uh, Christian. I want to thank you and Jeff for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. It's you know, it's always fun to do stuff with you guys, and you know, it's it's been way too long. So, uh, other than that, uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually don't have a, much of a parting gift this week, but uh, you know, I just want to, I just want to. Wish the best to all the DLC listeners out there, to everyone, everyone out in the internet that's that's giving this a listen, and uh, just hope to do this again sometime. Yeah, dude, that is the the best parting gift, and you are one of the best dudes. It is far too long, and hopefully, we will see each other in person again uh, soon. Uh, I'm just continuing on the comic book train, and um, the all new, all different Avengers. I think is what it's called. I should have known the title, but it's it, it is it is. It is great. It's Miles Morales. Iron Man, of course, is always there. And Falcon has Cap. And it's really fun. Miss Marvel, they've really, I think, played the interaction of having teenage characters back in the Avengers again. And so far, it has been a series that I am really, really enjoying. So if you like comics and it's an easy jumping off point with a new number one, as Marvel likes to do, all new, all different Avengers has been has been great. Jeff. 
Yeah, very cool. Uh, Ozzy, man, it's so great to to hang out with you. I, I'm we should have had you on way sooner, and it's fun bumping into you at 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 shows. Um, mine is uh, the witch. Have you guys heard about this movie? It's real scary. Uh, it's really good. It's really really quite good. Um, if you're into horror movies, this is my favorite kind of horror movie. I.e. Uh, no jump scares. It's it's not it's not about jump scaring you. It's not about uh, grossing you out. It's about getting under your skin, and it certainly does that in a myriad way. Uh, it is it is my goodness, so creepy and so well shot and so well realized. It takes place in like 1660, which is already sort of a creepy time to be in, and it's out in the woods. It's a creepy place. It kind of reminds me of The Witcher, not just because it shares you know, the witch part, but like just sort of being in the woods and have scary animals around and needing to hunt and needing to get food. And I like movies that make me think about video games and make the worlds of those video games seem even more real. And I think the witch does that really well. It's, it's pretty intense, but uh, really cool. And we'll also be talking about that more on the slash film cast. If you want to hear me talk more in depth with spoilers and stuff too. All right, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to Ozzy Mejia, Christian Spicer. Uh, thank you to Sean Madigan and his wife and Patrick L for providing uh, really cool bumpers uh, for the show. Uh, thank you to everybody that downloaded the show. Hey, why not tell your friends about it? Help spread the word. Um, you can uh, always refer them to our website or maybe give us a review on the iTunes. That's fun too. That's always helpful. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. 